Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you this morning for the house of God. We thank you this morning for the gathering of those who love you, those who seek your face, those who listen to your words and welcome your instruction. We give you thanks for the man of God. We give you thanks for the proclamation of your word. Father, heaven and earth will pass away. Your words, they remain forever. Lord, the markets could rise and the markets could fall. They could crash. But your people that are carried by your hand are steadfastly rejoicing because of your goodness. So we pray, oh God, that this morning you speak to your people and that they would understand what your word reveals and that we not delve into the things your word does not reveal. That we not walk in anxiety and in worry. You, your word says for us to be anxious for nothing, but in all things be prayerful, full of prayer. That we might be conversing and exchanging the language of heaven with a faithful God. And Father, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we pray and ask. And we pray that you keep us in peace. Not like the world considers peace. Give us the peace to know that we are fulfilling your call. That we're walking in your instruction. That we're living according to your commandments. Bless your word this day in our hearts. Prosper your word in our lives. That your word might be a powerful two-edged sword. That it would reveal the heart and the mind of God so that we can nourish our spirit and that our souls might be rested. Father, your embrace is what we need. Your presence not depart from us. Allow us to walk in the rejoicing understanding that there's a banner over us that is your love we know this through the cross of christ you so loved the world you gave your son that whoever might believe would not perish but have everlasting life so we pray father god that your word this morning would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth a harvest and fruit that glorifies you in jesus name we pray amen and amen um the climate at any one moment in anything that happens, wherever you're at, there's going to be three groups of people. And there we see it in Acts 19.32. The this, the that, and the they don't know. As people gather together in the area of any controversy or confusion, some will shout one thing and some will shout another. That makes two groups of people. But there's a third group of people, and it's the majority, and the Bible says most of the people don't even know why they are there. So some are shouting this, some are shouting that, and the majority don't know what is going on. And so I want to tell you that we side with what God says. We, we, we want to know how to traverse and journey because we're right smack in the middle of this generation that, that there's all sorts of things going on. And the climate of the last days is deception. It's imposters. It's people that purport to be what they're not. The saddest of these people are those that say they are preachers and they're not. They say that they're Christians and they're not. They say to be loving God, but they move in a direction that God hates. They're not moving with what moves God. So in this area of confusion, controversy, adversity, however you want to define it, some people will decide to medicate themselves, a lot of pharmaceuticals, antidepressants, anxiety. But we, the people of God, 
we press into truth. And the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It was in, in several generations of biblical history that there were transitions of power. What does that mean? That means that one king would stop ruling and the next king would come into power. And so there was always those that were favorable to the ruling king and then those that uh, wanted him out for someone else to come in power, in authority, in direction of leadership. But this doesn't phase God. God, in his word, shows us that he's above every power and principality. That all those that rule upon the earth are just a manner of a season. Uh, we see here in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6. One of the examples, we're going to go through many of them today. And I, I gather that as we go through these Bible verses and, and these different areas, that you might feel the peace of God knowing that amongst the men, the controversy might lie on either side, but the direction is always in the hand of God. Um, the word that we use is called sovereign. What's that mean? Above all rule and reign. God is sovereign above all things. And nothing happens without his knowledge and understanding. So here in 1 Samuel 8, 6, when they said, give us a king to lead us, the people of Israel wanted to be governed not by God. Up until that point, God would speak to his prophets and his prophets would teach the people how to live because God was their ruler. God wanted to be their leader. But they said, we don't want God to lead. Give us a king to lead us. And so that, that might surprise you that having the capacity to be led in the way God would lead you, that there be a people saying, we're not interested in God's leadership. Give us a king to lead. And the Bible says they wanted a king because they wanted to look like other nations. They wanted to look like other peoples. And this, the Bible says, brought great sadness upon Samuel's heart, the prophet. The prophet understood God's heart, that God wanted to lead his people, but his people wanted to be led by a king. And so Samuel was displeased and he prayed to the Lord, Lord, why are these people asking for a king when they have the greatest leader of all, which is you? Your hand has led your people to victory all the time. Your hand leads us into triumph. You lead us beside still waters. You lead us to green pastures. You give us a table that's prepared as a banquet table before our enemies. God is the perfect leader, but they wanted an earthly man to lead them. So when Samuel was saddened and prayed to the Lord, this was the Lord's response, verse 7. The Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. This is a scary thing when we stop listening to God and now God says, you know something? Let them have what they're asking for. Not listen to God, to what I'm saying. The word Samuel is, is, is uh, the meaning of the word Samuel is the one who listens for, from God. He receives instruction from God and then he tells the people. They're telling him no. We want the people to speak to the prophet to get what they want. And God says, listen to them. All that they're saying. It is not you that they have rejected. This is phenomenal. It, it's not that they are rejecting any particular man. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. At the end of the day, when people are choosing their own rulers, 
which is not unusual because man has been doing that from time immemorial. The Bible says, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me as their king. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting that God would go before them directing their path. And so these people are now walking contrary to the heart of God. And, and isn't it amazing that there would be a nation who desires for God not to be their leader, that what God would want them uh, is not what God wants, and they choose their own leadership, not necessarily rejecting man, but ultimately rejecting God as their king. So that, that is why we see that that day that the people rose up to say we want a king, they were saying we don't want God. We, we don't want to be led by God. And then it says in verse 8, they have done as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day. They continue to choose to forsake God and serve other gods. So this is what they are doing to you. Now, it's, a, it's amazing and miraculous that this week we had our national elections to choose our president and 50% of the nation chooses one side and 50% chooses another. And so there is no doubt that this is a divided nation. And there's no doubt that the Bible says that a divided nation shall not prosper. It's no doubt that there are, we've come to the time where uh, this nation was founded on godly Christian principles, God-fearing, God-desiring. The, the anthem, God bless America, is no longer what this nation stands for in, in a divided heart. In other words, whatever uh, God would establish in a nation to be God-fearing and Christian and biblical is no longer the case. So more than 50% of this nation decided that they would make the elections a matter of controversy. And so there, there are Christians that proclaim to be Republicans. There are Christians that proclaim to be Democratic but the truth of the matter is that we have no longer allowed God to lead our nation. Otherwise, there would be no confusion. There would be no controversy. And God desires to lead nations into um, what they call the difference between being a sheep nation or being a goat nation. Instead of being rebellious towards God and his word, now... There's uh, an ability to listen to God and find out what God wants. And the Bible says that they have done in this manner what they're doing to Samuel right now. They've done ever since they left Egypt. Ever since the first day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, all they do is continually forget me and they choose other gods that's what they're doing now to you. So, uh, I, you know, in a manner of seeing the, the macro, which is the large picture of a nation that forgets God and chooses things that don't please God, I'm, I'm a shepherd of a small church here in Miami, and I'm amazed by those who decide in their own personal lives not to follow the Lord not to honor their pastor, not to stay within the flock and the congregation. So in, in a micro, which is the small, I'm just overwhelmed by people who can't follow God in the simple things of life. And, and there's people that are freaking out that a nation should turn away from God and his principles. But I want to tell you, uh, my dad is a pathologist. He's a, he's a medical doctor, 
A pathologist is one who studies the abnormal cells in the human body. And so he would always be right next to the surgeon. The surgeon would, would perform surgery and throw my father a piece of the organ that was infected or affected or having controversy. And then my father would take that big, I used to see the chunks of flesh of, of certain parts of the, of the body and put under a microscope. And then he would, he would look into the abnormal cell growth and then tell the surgeon, yeah, you got to take that whole thing out. Or no, we could treat it. It's not the bad cells. But I want to tell you that whatever has affected the nation is not to be looked, like, looked at at the macro level of huge government. It's the small community of families, of homes, of individuals. And the, the curse to our generation is not necessarily those who forsake God uh, like these people did, serving other gods. It's the individual it's the individual person that serves only himself. And then he turns towards his nation and says, why do we have a nation that doesn't fear God? Because in its most simplest expression of the unit of the individual, we have decided to not put God in first place. We have decided not to be a people of agreement. There, there's, no, there's no people that are more divided than the Christian people. You don't have to freak out that the nation is up in uproars and darkness and wickedness. Just, just go back into the church house. And everything that's happening in the church house is actually an expression of what's happening outside. You, you see the churches are being divided by the thousands. People deciding that they are not going to walk in honor. They're not going to walk in submission, obedience. They're not going to walk in the kingdom of God. They don't want government. Don't tell me what to do, when to do, why, why to do, how to do. So rebellion is the expression of a people who desire God not to be the one who rules and leads. And God, God, you can't deceive God. You can't shake God. You can't fool God. He says they've been doing this since day one. They have been forsaking me. They have chosen other gods. That's what they're doing to you. And so it is amazing that God is on the forefront. I want to say that God does not side with any governmental entity. You might say that the Republicans are the God party, the Democrats are the God party. I want to tell you the truth, that the kingdom of God is not of this world. And if you get into the mix of thinking politics and you are more political than you are Christian, you're going to be tainted and stained with the emotions and sentiments that God doesn't want you to have. Uh, John 18, 36, Jesus would answer, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm, I'm not establishing a government that represents me in this earth. That's, that's not going to happen. And, and people like Judas got very angry when they heard Jesus say this. Because many people thought Jesus would be the great commander and deliverer and overrule the Romans and establish his government on the earth. In fact, they thought that he would be a new political party. That Jesus was going to establish a kingdom here on earth. And he's, he got to the place where he says, my kingdom is, is not in this world. Where, where, you you got to fix your your theology if you think that God is behind a political party. I, I love the football games. People always say, I'm praying for my team to win, and the other team is praying for their team to win. They're pro Who's got, whose side is God on? In Texas, they say it's Dallas, that God is on Dallas's team. No, God is not conducting affairs here amongst men picking parties. He says, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent the Jewish leaders from having their way. But now my kingdom is from another place. And instead of you being a rabid political pundit, you, my friend, should convert. You should repent 
and get saved and get on God's team. You should understand the way God understands. You should live as God would have you live. So Judas, the one called Iscariot, the, the word Iscariot is Spanish sicario, which was a political murderer. He was on Jesus' team and he was willing to kill in order to advance the political party that he thought Jesus was a part of. He had, re, um, he had heard in Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 that God would establish his kingdom upon the earth. When, when they said in the times of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So they thought when the Messiah was coming that he would squash and crush anyone who standed against him. And so Judas Iscariot, Sicario, would murder, would pillage, would, would uh, plot, would connive and endeavor for Jesus to be establish his rule as the coming king but when he found out that Jesus was not here to establish a political party and to overthrow the Romans from their occupying force in Luke 22 3 it says Satan entered his heart and he began to then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot one of the 12 that was on the inside team because he was of a earthly mindset of establishing political influence and advance upon the earth, the devil was able to get into his heart and he betrayed the Lord. Verse 4, he went to the way to the chief priests and the officers of the temple to discuss how he might betray Jesus. So my concern is if you're with one political party, you betray Jesus. If you're with another political party, you betray Jesus. Because you weren't called to a political party. You were called to the kingdom of God. You were called to represent that kingdom that God would tell Habakkuk, I'm going to do something in your day is going to flip your wig. I can't even tell you because you won't believe me. And so when he tells Abacuc what he's going to do, it had to do with raising up the Chaldeans. We'll see that right now. Verse 5, they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. Verse 6, Judas was seeking the moment where he would bail Jesus and embrace his earthly mindset when no crowd was present when nobody was around Jesus had told his followers that if he wanted to Matthew 26 52 he could call 12 legion of angels down and he could take over he says put your sword back in its place Jesus said for all who draw their sword will die by the sword Verse 53, do you not think I could call on my father and he will at once put disposal of more than 12 legion of angels? If Jesus wanted to set up a political party upon the earth, he could do it in a blink of an eye. He could establish uh, whatever influence he wants upon the earth. So when he says in Habakkuk 1 verse 6, behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. I'm raising up those ruthless people that come out of Babylon, confusion. Do you have a problem with God raising up the Babylonians to rule? Who are these people? They are bitter and swift. They're ruthless and impetuous. They sweep across the whole earth and they take, we talked about this on Wednesday, they take places not given to them. They, they usurp areas of authority that have not been given to them by God. 
And that causes them to be a real ruthless and bitter people. Verse 7 says, these are dreaded and feared people. They are feared and dreaded because they are a law unto themselves. They, they don't stay within what the law says. They make their own laws as they go. They undermine the law. They don't enforce the law. They make up their own laws to promote their own honor. They celebrate their own wickedness. And so the Bible says that it's a, a strange thing that God would raise up these people that are a law unto themselves, that promote their own honor, that walk in wickedness and usurp places, not give it to them. But the Bible says also that we are to be careful because Romans 9, 17 says, for this reason, God raises up people in places of prominence. He says to Pharaoh, I raised you up with a very purpose so that I might display my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. In the backdrop of wickedness is when God shows forth his greatest power, his miracles, his signs, his wonders. He's about to arrive on the scene and establish what he told Habakkuk. You're, not, you're going to be blown away by what I'm about to do in raising up the Chaldeans. To Pharaoh he says, I'm going to display my mighty power. My name shall be lifted up in this season. As we see God choose a most difficult path for his people... In Exodus 13, 17, when he took them out of Egypt, there was a way called the way of the Philistines, which was a, a, a road of commerce straight to the promised land. It was like a, a nine-day, nine to 11-day journey to be able to get to the promised land, the land that filled with milk and honey. And the Bible says, um, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them through the road of comfort. He didn't lead them through the road of the Philistine country. It would have been the easiest route. It was the shortest route. Though that was a shorter route. And sometimes we look at God making us take the long route, the most difficult road. And you say, God, why all the controversy? And God says, because I'm about to take you into battle and I'm not going to take you down easy road. If you face war, you might change your mind and want to return to Egypt. So I have to take you through the desert. I need to take you through training, through discipline. The hardships of life are not what God has chosen for our ill, but for our preparation. God has chosen the difficult paths of desert places to strengthen his people into a mighty army. A lot of us don't even know how to fight spiritually. I used to ask the Lord, Lord, why do you send us down to the mission field where there were snakes and scorpions? I wish I never saw a snake or a scorpion. We went to Nicaragua. The first night we, we slept there, we saw a huge snake coming into our hut. And we caught it. But we're like, how many more are out here? And it's not comfortable to sleep in this place. Well, in Mexico, the scorpions came up, almost bit me in the leg during a service. And I would say, Lord, I'd rather be in a place where there's no snakes and no scorpions. I'd rather be in a place where there's no danger, there's no adversity, there's no conflict. But God throws his people right in the middle of that. Verse 18, he says like this, he chose the pathway. He led his people through the desert road. So that they went out of Egypt ready for battle. He wanted to get them prepared in the midst of controversy. Because when things are going for us, we don't exert any energy. We don't have to pray. We don't have to seek the Lord's face. We don't have to gather as his people. We could, we could take it easy. We could relax. We could be cool. But God will never choose that route for his people because he's making a mighty People were ready for battle, prepared for uh, the opposition in, in manners that will garner our strength. 
The Lord told me, listen, the reason I allow there to be snakes and scorpions is so that you could see me deliver you from these elements. Deuteronomy 8.15, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness. He leads us through desperate times where there's thirst so that he could be our source, a waterless land so he could provide the water. And, and you have the testimony of 40 years in the desert without water, and he was their water. Without food, and he sent manna. Without covering in the cold of the desert, and he created a column of fire to heat them up during the day, uh, during the night, and to uh, a cloud that would form over them during the hot days. So God, in the midst of a waterless wasteland of dread with venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of the hard rock. So why does God bring us into times of difficulty or despair or dis uh, uh, the drought? So that he becomes your source. You can say amen right there. Everything I'm going to need in the next season, I'm going to get from God. It's not going to come from a political party. It's not going to come from a government. The promises of a man fall super short to the promises of God. I'm not going to cheer a political party. I'm going to, I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to celebrate my source, my true source. And so God says in John 17, 15, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but that you protect them while they're here. My prayer is not that you take them and remove them, from the world and from adversity and conflict, but that you protect them in the midst of the atmosphere of the evil one, in the midst of the atmosphere of those who fear God not. Psalm 144.1 says, He will train me for battle. He will prepare me. He who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. God wants a a, a tough and courageous people, not a bunch of whiners, not a bunch of cowards, not those who, who fret and fear in the face of danger. Psalm 1834, he will establish me with the capacity to be able to engage he trains my hands for battle. My arms are ready to bend a bow of bronze. It's a bow and arrow. You're able to pull on that and get the weapon you need of choice. All throughout scripture we see that God is training his people in Numbers chapter 9. Verse 15, as they traveled across the desert, he called them to set up their tents and he uh, taught them how to move undercover. If we're going to go into treacherous future, you have to know how to stay under the cloud because under the cloud of his presence, he preserves you and keeps you. From evening till morning, the cloud covered them, and at night, it looked like fire. Verse 16, these people who didn't know how to come in or go out needed to be trained. This is how it continued to be. The cloud covered them at the nighttime. It looked like fire. Verse 17, during the day, it covered them like a shadow. And wherever the cloud settled, that's where they were to camp. These times are a time for you to learn how to move with God in the midst of adversity and controversy. Not for you to whine, but for you to know how to stay under the shadow of the Most High God. That you say, God, teach me how to walk with you because the days are evil. Because men have become imposters. Because there's treachery and deceit, violence and wickedness. Behind the scenes, the likes you would never even imagine. Verse 18, wherever the clouds settled, they were camped. The Lord commanded the Israelites to set out at his command, and they encamped. 
as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in that camp. Verse 19. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord and did not move. They did not, they, they weren't calling the shots. They didn't decide when to come and when to go. They depended on God for what? To be safe. Verse 20. Sometimes the cloud remained over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp. And, the, and then at his command, they would set out. Verse 21. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted in the morning, they set out, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Are you prepared in this season to walk with God? It will go well with you. You'll have peace. You'll have provision. You'll have joy because God is your source. Verse 22, whenever the cloud stayed over the tabernacle over two days, over a month, or over a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. Verse 23, at the command of the Lord, they encamped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. God has defined his order. He defines his directives. He defines his commands, and for you to be at the place where you need to be is super important in this season because everything is being shaken. When they left Egypt, the Bible says in Exodus 32 that they decided, verse 1, to pick a different God. When the people saw that Moses was taking too long in the mountain, they gathered to Aaron and said, Come, let us make another leader who will go before us. This was what God was talking about. When he says, These people have forsaken me since the time they left Egypt. Here they are with Moses, and they're picking a God to celebrate and worship, which was not God. As for this fellow... This man, Moses, they had total disrespect towards the leadership of God. Who knows? We don't know what has happened to him. And who knows when he'll be back. He's out to lunch. Verse 2. Look what they do. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. Verse 3. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Verse 4. And he took what they handed to him and made it into an idol, cast it into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And they said, these are our leaders. O Israel, these are the ones we will celebrate who brought us out who brought you out of Egypt. It's amazing that people could choose the leader they want to do what they please. And that's what the Bible says is going to happen in the last days. People will not endure sound doctrine. They do not like to suffer the accountability of how they come and how they go. So they should choose up preachers that will tell them what they want to hear. They're not legitimate leaders. They're not legitimate preachers and shepherds. They're not representing God and his desire. They are just giving the people what they're asking for. In verse 5, the Bible says that they continued to celebrate. When they saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a celebration. They're going to celebrate without God's genuine leadership. They're going to move in a direction which is not consistent with what God desires for the people. But their interest is not God. Their interest is to walk in their own mindset. Verse 6 says they got up early in the morning and began to party. And they sat down and ate and drank and indulged in revelry. Which means the sensualities of unrestrained lewdness and lust. Just do what feels good. Move in the manner that you like. And these are the type of leaders that are established outside of God's instructions. And 
Moses begins to hear from the Lord in verse 9. Where God is looking at this going on and says, these stiff-necked people, these rebellious people, I'm seeing them. Just the, the fact that things are being celebrated and things are going on doesn't mean that God is consistent with having pleasure for these things. Verse 10, now therefore let me alone. Do not interfere so that my, angry, my anger could burn against them that I might destroy them. Then I will make out of you a great nation. And here Moses intercedes for the people. Verse 11. Moses appeased and entreated the Lord, saying, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and signs? Verse 12, what should the Egyptians say? With an evil intent, God brought them out to kill them in the desert, to destroy them from the face of the earth. Turn away from your burning anger and change your mind about harming you, your people. We talked about this on Wednesday, that Jonah was not interested in for Nineveh, for the wickedness of Nineveh, but that's what God was working on. He was working on the man of God, not the wicked nation. He was bringing Jonah to the place of God's mercy and compassion, of his glory, of his character. And so in this midst, it becomes adequate for us to intercede for our nation, to pray for our government, for our leaders. That God might have mercy upon our land. As Moses approaches the camp, he sees the people rejoicing and dancing. Verse 19, as soon as he returned to camp, he saw the people dancing and he burned with anger. He threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Verse 20. Moses took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire and then grounded it to power, powder and scattered it upon the water and made the Israelites drink it. Man, Moses was a powerful leader. He grounded the calf into dust and then he put it into people's water and commanded them to drink it. Verse 21, Moses said to Aaron, why did this people do to you? What did these people do to you? Why were you leading that? They were leading you and you not leading them. That you led them into such great sin. How come at the forefront of leadership comes corrupt leaders doing what the people want and not doing what God wants? Verse 22, do not be angry, my Lord, answered Aaron. You know how prone these people are to want evil. When a nation desires evil, the Lord gives that nation up to evil. To those who love a lie, God will lead them to a lie so they do not believe the truth, the Bible says. We got to be weary about the fact that we're in a place where people are choosing what God has not chosen. People do not want to walk in his instruction. You know how these people are. You know what type of people they are prone to evil. Verse 23, for they said to me, make us gods who will go before us. For this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So they asked for another God. Verse 24, Make us gods who will stand as our leaders. So I told them, whoever has jewelry to give it to me, I threw it into the fire. And out came this abominable manifestation of wickedness. What is that? One that attempts to replace the leadership of God. One that desires to take the people in the direction they desire to go. Verse 25, Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control so become, and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. And that's what we become when we cease to follow God. 
This is not new to God. In the times of the judges, Judges chapter 9, a man by the name of Abimelech rose up. He killed 70 of his brothers. Judges chapter 9, verse 1. Abimelech, the son of Gideon, went to Shechem to his mother's relatives and said to them, the whole clan of the household of his mother's father. Verse 2, speak now in the hearing of all leaders of Shechem. What is better for you? Seventy men to rule over you? Remember, I am your flesh and blood or just one man. Who do you want to be your leader? It's a dreadful thing when you get to pick your pastor and God didn't pick your pastor. When you choose who you're going to follow and not the man God chose, it becomes a dreadful thing because now you're not hearing. This week, somebody was told, be careful where you end up because God will give you over to your own desire. Listen to the pastors God has given you. They have the mind of God. They have the counsel of God. They will teach you the fear of God. But if you go to a place that says everything is okay, you're going to end up not okay. You're going to end up enslaved by those things that are destroying your life, primarily selfishness. Verse 3, so his mother's relatives spoke these words concerning him so that all the leaders of Shechem could hear, and their hearts were inclined to follow Abimelech. For they said, he is our relative. We get along with him. We can relate with him. We, we're, we're in good with this man who is rebelling against God's leadership. Verse 4. And they gave him 90 pieces of silver, which Abimelech hired worthless and undisciplined scoundrels. You, you want a government that's corrupt? Get ready for everything on the team to be reckless and scoundrels and corrupt. There's not going to be godly leadership. They're going to be people who follow a scoundrel, who finance a scoundrel, who establish all manner of rule Unlike God's, verse 5. Then he went down to his father's house and he murdered all 70 brothers. Get, get, let's, let's destroy all those called to lead so that we might lead. But the Bible says the youngest son of Gideon escaped. His name was Jotam. He hid. And he wasn't killed with his 70 brothers. Verse 6, all the men of Shechem assembled together and they made Abimelech their king, transition of power. No longer the body of wise men, the single, the single existence of a perverse, twisted mindset. No longer 11 pastors, no longer elders and leaders and teachers and men who fear God and the church of the Lord. One man rising up without the counsel of 70 that he would put to death. Verse 7. And Jotam, the one that escaped, climbed to the top of the mountain and said, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Verse 8. If what you did, God allows you to do, then let God be with you. But if what you did, you did on your own strength, let fire come from heaven and destroy you. And he teaches a parable. You do well in reading this parable. God has all manner of transition taking place. Uh, Abimelech ultimately is destroyed by the worthless leaders that were around him. Verse 20, he says, but if God did not appoint you, let fire come from Abimelech and consume the citizens of Shechem. Let fire come out from you. And let them destroy those who follow you and consume Abimelech. See, God knows how to establish his rule. God knows how to transition. God knows how to, to make a nation flourish. And he knows how to judge a nation. He had to deal with all manner of leadership when he came upon the earth. There were the scribes, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And he was able to conduct business as it pleased God. And so we will do the same thing. We're going to serve God with more excellence in this season. We're going to cause our light to shine brighter. We're going to represent the kingdom of God and its righteousness. We're going to follow Jesus Christ, our king, king of glory. It's a terrible thing when Jesus came and he saw John the Baptist. 
And John the Baptist would stand against the, the ruling tetrarchs, those government officials that were all corrupt, and he spoke against them. And the Bible says that he was arrested, he was imprisoned, and he was beheaded for standing on God's side. So we have an incredible future to live. Day by day, God will reveal his purpose. We're not phased. We're not taken back by what's taking place. We just make it an opportunity to perfect the character of Christ in us, to be filled with the spirit of God, to be close with the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to be fed by the Lord, to be provided for. And the Bible says that the days are going to grow more and more unstable, inconsistent. But we're supposed to shine in the midst of that atmosphere. Father, I give you thanks for today's word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would keep your people. We will continue to intercede for this nation. We want the righteous to prevail. You say that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. You say that the nation whose Lord is God is a joyful, rejoicing nation and blessed. We pray, Father God, that in the coming days, that the principalities and the powers that are trying to exert their influence to destroy the citizens of the United States, Father, that you expose, that you manifest, that you defend, that you be our protector, our guide, that you be our provider, that you establish your desire upon the earth, Lord. And Father, strengthen your people to become strong. Strengthen your people to represent you in greater manifestations. Give us greater measures of peace, that providence prevails, that your sovereign rule would be upon us, that you keep your remnant safe, and that we might seek your face. We pray your blessing upon all those who fear God. We pray upon all those who depart from evil, Lord, and ask that you would use them as vessels of honor in this season. We glorify your name and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. We continue to pray. And soon we're going to see how God opens the doors uh, for our gatherings here at church and see how that is going to come to pass in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. God bless you.